0: Open your Bibles to Psalm 119. This morning we were supposed to have a guest speaker, uh, Daniel Fetter, our missionary to Micronesia, was going to be here, but he called me Friday night and he has COVID. So and it, so he has the version that is a sore throat and uh, sniffles. <laughs> so Praise God. But he thought it would be best not to come and share that with us. How many of you are thankful he didn't share that with us? So What's fun is the text that I get to preach. I am so glad that I get to preach it. So look at Psalm 119, and let's start reading in verse 89. And I hope that you'll come back tonight. I'm preaching the positive side of this text this morning, the negative side tonight. I wanna, uh, this morning, I'm going to show what the Bible teaches and what we believe. This evening in the service, I'm going to take a textbook from a Bible college and show the opposite side. Of this. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. I hope that you'll come back for that tonight at 5 o'clock. So look at Psalm 119, look at verse 89. Forever, O Lord, and that's the title of my message, is forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. They continue this day according uh, to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this text, and oh, the truth that's in it. Lord, I know that I am not capable of, of expressing all that's here, but Lord, I pray that what I do teach from this will bring glory to you and will help people to understand what you have written here. In Jesus' name, amen. Forever. Forever. That is a great word, but it's also a terrifying word. How many of you are thankful that salvation is, for, is forever? It is Forever. And like, like the great hymn writer said, forever and ever, amen. <laughs> anyway, I'm thankful. That was a terrible impersonation. I am thankful. Jacob, stop, stop. He's mocking me. My son is mocking me right there, right now. <laughs> Which is what sons are for. So this idea of forever, I'm so thankful that my salvation is forever, but it's terrifying that damnation is forever. It's terrifying that judgment is forever. That mercy is forever, but judgment is forever. It's a great, but it's also a terrifying word. The context here in this passage, it's talking about God's word. It says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So forever, it it helps me to remember some things about God. Remember the Bible in the book of Job says, Whatsoever God doeth, I'm sorry, in Ecclesiastes, whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. And I promise you, this is going to be fun as we look through this. Let's look at some things that the word forever helps us to understand in this text. And of course, it begins in verse one, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. We know that there are a lot of people that believe that the Bible contains the word of God. So that's the classical statement of Uh, of a theological position called neo-orthodoxy that's new orthodoxy and honestly you're either orthodox or you're not that's it you you either believe that the bible is true and you hold to the historic christian faith or you don't there's nothing new you're saved by grace through faith alone that's it The church has always been a called-out assembly of born-again baptized believers meeting voluntarily in a specific location for the purpose of preaching, teaching, exhortation, observing and defending the ordinances, and doing all things whatsoever the Lord commanded. When you take the Word of God and put it together, the church has always been the same thing. You're either a church or you're not a church. You're either saved or you're not saved. You either have right doctrine or you have false doctrine. Are there some points of doctrine that That faithful believers disagree on? Well, absolutely. But not salvation by grace through faith. If you believe that, you're a Christian. If you don't, you're not. Right? Why? Because God said it. Those things are settled. Those clear declarations. You must be born again. That's settled. That is settled. The other thing that I'm thankful for We don't. We don't. We do believe the Bible contains the Word of God, but we also believe it is the Word of God, and that's a big difference. The other thing is, we believe that every word of God is pure, and that God is able to keep them because He has settled them forever. Now, here's the thing that happens. Um, How many of you actually believe you can hold God's Word in your hands? Right? You've got you've got the Word, and you've got it in front of you. Most of modern evangelicalism doesn't believe that. They would say, well, this verse doesn't say that you have the word of God. What the Bible says is that it's preserved in heaven, that it's settled in heaven. Well, it is what it says. But then Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How can you live if you don't have it? He settled it so that you can have it. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So how many of you are born again? Well, not if you don't have a Bible. Now, I'm so thankful that you don't have to believe you have a Bible to be saved. There are going to be a lot of people in heaven that are going to get to heaven and go, oh, I did have it. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you have to have a King James Bible in order to be saved. That's not what we believe At all. At all. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay for your sin, was buried and rose again the third day. If you believe that and He ascended to the right hand of the Father and you ask Him to take that payment and apply it to your account because you're a sinner and you deserve hell, you get to go to heaven. Amen? Whether you believe the Bible or not. You don't have to believe the Bible to be saved, but you have to believe what the Bible says about salvation to be saved. Does that make sense? Are you all following me on this? The simple fact of the matter is God's word is settled. The difference between us and others is we believe that God not only has kept it settled forever, but he has also given it to us. See, the primary difference between what we believe and what many other Christians believe is the doctrine of preservation. Not only did God inspire it, but he has also preserved it. They would say from this verse that God has preserved it in heaven. We believe that he has preserved it in heaven, but he has always preserved it in words that we can see. Let me give you a couple of illustrations of this. If you remember the book of Jeremiah, it was delivered to the king and the king didn't like it. So he took his knife, his pen knife, and he cut out the sections he didn't like and threw them in the fire. And ultimately he threw the whole scroll in the fire. But here's the good news. God remembered what he wrote. Why? Because it's settled in heaven. The amazing thing is, I believe that it was that the Bible was written before he said, let there be light. Why? Forever. It's settled in heaven. God has his word written down and preserved. How about the Ten Commandments? What happened to the initial Ten Commandments? Moses got mad and broke them. But again, God remembered what he had written. And so no one has ever seen the first edition of the Ten Commandments. No one's ever seen it. And yet we believe that we have the Ten Commandments. Why? Because God remembers what he wrote. So you have inspiration, you have preservation, and then you have inscripturation. What is inscripturation? That's when it's written down. And here's the good news. How many of you have a Bible here? You got a Bible? If you don't have one, look in the chair in front of you. There's a Bible there. And if you don't have one at home, take that one home with you so you can have a Bible. Amen? We need to buy them with larger print anyway. Have you ever tried to look at one of those Bibles that's under there? If you look at people that can't see very well, those are people that have tried to read the Bibles provided by Grace Baptist Church. I'm so thankful that the Word is preserved forever. Now, how many of you think that I might be able to talk about that for a little while longer? But we're going to, let's just move to this next thing. I want you to see this. Not only is God's Word forever, look at the next verse, verse 90. Verse 90. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. God's faithfulness is forever. We talked about this in Sunday school. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, his faithfulness being unto all generations, what does that mean? That means that we can be saved forever. God is faithful. His word is faithful. What was true for the Jews is true for the church. What was true for for Adam is true for me. Now, has there been progressive revelation? Do we have some truth from the Bible that Abraham didn't have in his day? Of course. Of course. But the things that were true to Adam are, are, are still true to us. Why? Because God is faithful. He does not change. And I love that, that his faithfulness is unto all generations. Look at what it says. This is amazing. So, this is fun. Forever is the word of God. Forever is God's faithfulness. Middle of verse 90. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. And it abideth. It's interesting. The earth abides. His word is forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. How about that? The Bible's forever. The earth abides. But I want you to notice what it says about that. Middle of verse 90 again. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. So this is so fun. So God created the earth, and I'm going to shock you. It's still here. And when God created the earth, he established some ordinances. One of those ordinances was let there be light. Are you thankful that there's light? And God ordained that that would be, what, 186,000 miles per second. And it took until the 20th century for a little Jewish guy to come up with this idea of E equals MC squared so you can understand how all of that stuff works. And you know what happened? It's still the same. From the time that God said, let there be light, until Einstein made his discoveries, it's always been the same. It has always been the same. Why? It is an ordinance of God. And listen, light is God's servant. These laws of the universe, uh, this will be fun. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Keep, Keep your place in Psalms. We may get back there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. What happened there? God established these rules of evaporation and moisture. He established it. When the flood happened, I think those things changed. But did nature change it, or did God change it? God did. Why? Because those laws of nature are God's servants. They're God's servants. Look at what it says in verse 9. And God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And I love this. This is so cool. How many of you know there's a difference between the land and the sea? Y'all know that? We cover really deep stuff here. Try to keep up. Okay. So you have the land and the sea. And God said they're different, and God established the boundaries of the seas. God ordained where they would be. Now, how many of you have heard, according to Al Gore, that the seas are rising? Have you heard that that the sea levels are have you young people heard that the sea levels are rising? Have you heard that? And remember what they said. This was in 2000. By now, New York City was supposed to be underwater. Have you all heard that? Do you know who's in charge of that? God. Do you know what those sea currents and sea levels are? They're controlled by the laws of nature. The laws of nature. When God set the sun in the sky and he set the moon in the the sky... What did that do? That established, what did he say? For seasons, and for days, and for weeks, and for years. We, can, we, we know where we are on the calendar based on those two light, great lights that God put in the sky. And the sea levels, and currents, and tides all have to do with the gravity of the moon. And who is it that, that, that ordained that? And they are God's. Servants. See, Barack Obama thought they were his. What did he say in one of his first speeches after he was elected president? The seas are going to recede. What's he, Moses? How many not even remember him saying that. Listen, this is, you might want to write this down, tattoo it to your forehead, whatever. The new environmentalism is a new form of atheism. Modern environmentalism is a new form of atheism. You think you can destroy the planet? What does the Bible say? It abides. Now, the elements will melt with a fervent heat. It is from from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there's found no place for them. It is going to go away. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holiness? it's it going to go away but you're not going to do it because those laws are his laws let me explain the sea level rising to you here's how much they're rising are you ready these are the, 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 the most current i just googled it a minute ago and google never lies the google machine told me here's what it said 11 hundredths of an inch per year 11 one hundredths, okay, so get an inch. Can you figure that out? an inch anything is that is that pretty good? You don't know, you're too far away. Now, divide that by a hundred and count eleven of them. Have you ever tried to measure water? Have you ever tried to measure moving water that much a year? They're lying. And if they do believe it, who cares? See, I know I'm, I'm pounding this thing. And let's just pound this thing to death. These laws of nature are God's. These laws are God's laws. And the Bible says they are his servants. And he can make them do whatever he pleases. When he said, let there be light, the light got here before the instrument of light was put in the sky. Why? It's his servant. When when Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, there's a law there. There's a law of biology that it takes a man and a woman and a seed and an egg. and That's what's required. But those laws are his servants. And he can tell that servant to do what he says to do and it will do it. And then people don't rise from the dead unless the servant obeys God and God says, death, let go of my son. And that law obeys because it is his servant. You see, in modern Christianity, not only do we have people that are denying the word of God, modern evangelical Christianity, we have people who do not believe that they have every word of God. But also in modern evangelical Christianity, there is a move toward social justice, toward critical race theory, and toward radical environmentalism. There are a lot of modern evangelical churches that agree with the Democrat Party on the Paris Climate Accords. As if stopping the United States from manufacturing is going to heal the planet. No. The purpose of that is not to raise the level of the rest of the world. It's to bring the United States down to the, to the impoverished level of the rest of the world. That's the goal of that. Why? Because we cannot change nature. It is God's servant. Now, I feel like I have to say this because there might be someone here that doesn't know. How many of you think that, that, that Christians ought to pick up their trash? That We all believe that. How many of you want clean water? right? You you, you expect factories to make sure that they're not pumping pollution into the air. That's not what radical environmentalism is about. And it's interesting, these radical environmentalists tell you that you need to keep your heat at a certain level and then get on their own private jet. Right? Why? Because they're liars, they're thieves, they're disgusting, evil people that hate you and think they ought to be able to have things that you don't. See The laws of nature are God's servants, and listen, they last forever or until God says I'm done with that. So forever helps me to remember God's word, His faithfulness in creation, the laws of the universe, they're God's servants. Now let's go back to let's go back to Psalm one nineteen forever, forever. So verse 92, unless thy law had been my delights, I then, or I should then have perished in mine affliction. We need to, we need to remember where we were last week. We talked about navigating the dark night of the soul. And, and we do that by help thou me, help thou me. So let's, let's go to verse 81 and this will really give us the context for this section. So the previous section, "...my soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, when wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes." How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon the earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. So shall I keep the testimonies of thy mouth. So what has he done? He's been in the valley of despair. He's been, like, like in Pilgrim's Progress, the slew of despond. He, he has been in a place where he thought he was going to die. He was like that empty and dried and cracked balloon. He felt like he was worthless. And he's saying, God, how much longer am I going to have to live this way? And then what did he do? He stepped out of that mess. And he found his footing on the solid rock of God's word Forever. Oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. All of the things you've promised me are true. All of my trouble, all of this persecution, you know every bit of it and you have not left me. I can trust you, God. That's the context of it. So these things, this this framework of God's word being settled, it's so vital that that's strong and secure and based in solid rock. So when my trouble comes, I can take that struggle and I can hang it on that. And it takes the weight off of me and I can trust God. And look at how it says it. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. See, we can get to where our trouble is so hard it could kill us. And somehow we have to find delight. What do we find delight in? We need to find that delight in God's Word. And here, specifically, specifically, the law. What are the law? They're God's servants. So you have the law of the Old Testament, you have the laws of nature... You have the laws of physics. All of those laws, and this, of course, is specifically dealing with the laws that God established. But where in the law does it tell us that God ordained where the seas are? God ordained that light would be. God ordained that the sun would be for seasons. God ordained all of that. They're his servants. You say, Brother Jim, those things change. Yes, according to God's law. They're God's servants. Look at what it says next. I love this verse, verse ninety three. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. Thou hast quickened me. Uh, that same sustaining power, where God gives the bounds of the seas and sets the temperatures, um, there's something that you ought to study. Maybe write this down, young people, and study this. It's called the anthropic principle. The anthropic principle, and I think it was Carl Sagan. I mean, Carl Sagan, who kind of started identifying these things that a planet would have to have in order to sustain life. And he assumed that there would be thousands of those planets. Do you know how many they found? One. And that's where those are, where God's servants have made it so that we can not only survive, but thrive. It's interesting. How many of you have heard that sun is bad for you? Have you heard that? These people are liars, man. You know one of the best things you can do for your health? Go outside. Let that sun get that vitamin D in you. Get that. Let that sun start to heal you. Why? Because God created the world for you to be in it. Amen? Okay, it's cold out. But still, go outside. It's good for you. So forever helps me to remember God's word, faithfulness, the creation, the laws of the universe that they're God's servants, but the sustaining, God's sustaining power and protection. God's sustaining power and protection. And then I want you to see what it says here in verse 93. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. These precepts quicken me. Remember, what are the precepts? These are the things of God that I'm supposed to tell someone else. When, when I am down, it helps me to talk to someone else about God's word. Right? And what happens is, when you start to feel spiritually dead, let's be honest, how many of you have been in a place in your life where you, have, you, you, you just don't feel spiritually alive? You, you ever been there? Here's what you should do. Start talking about God. Start praising God. Go to someone and tell them about your God. What the Bible says about your God, how great he is, who Jesus Christ is, what he has done for you, what he wants to do for them, what he's done for your family, what he's done for our country, what he's done for this world. The virgin birth. What a great time to talk about the virgin birth. Why the virgin birth? We're going to be looking at that on Christmas Sunday. Why the virgin birth? It's vital so that God can have a, a body so that he could die for you and for me. This round yon virgin, mother and child, it's so important. What a great time to talk about that. See, when you start to feel down, when the commercialism of Christmas time starts to affect you and overwhelm you, start talking about the real meaning of Christmas, that God became a man. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen? Talk about those things. They make you alive, and that's what it says here. It says in verse 93, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I love this. Not only do I see forever, helps me to remember God's word, faithfulness, creation, laws of the universe, sustaining power and protection, those precepts that quicken me, but salvation. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. Here's something that you and I have that David didn't, the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Have you ever asked Christ to save you? Have you asked Christ to save you? You're born again. Do you know how long that lasts? You guys are lame. The pastor said encouragingly, how many of you are saved? How long does that last? Amen. You see, for me, I'm saved. I don't ever have to go to the Lord and say again, save me. Why? Because that salvation is forever. I might say, cleanse me. I might say, empower me. I might go back and say, forgive me. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, right now I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. We looked at that verse in the Sunday school hour. That's where I am spiritually right now. That means in Christ I am completely clean, pure, saved Forever. In my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. In my daily walk I sin, and so I take that sin to the Lord, and I say, Lord, forgive me. But I never have to go back again and say, save me. Isn't that good? That salvation is forever. So look at our verse again. Psalm 119, verse 94. Forever helps remember these things about God. My salvation is forever. And it says in verse uh, verse 94, I am thine. I am His possession. I am his possession. Keep your place here. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at what's going to happen to that possession. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. "...in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." You hear the Bible, you believe the Bible, you ask Christ to save you, He saves you. What happens when you believe, then you're sealed with that Holy Spirit? For how long? All right. And what does that do for us? Verse 13, "...in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation." In whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now, when you see that word inheritance, we're adopted. We actually experience the adoption when he takes us out of this world. Remember Romans chapter 8? What are we waiting for? To wit, the adoption. That's what we're waiting for. All right. When does that happen? Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased... What's that next word? Possession, under the praise of His glory. When is the redemption of the purchased possession? The rapture. He's going to come and redeem us. See, He's already redeemed us from sin and the penalty of sin. He's going to actually redeem us from the presence of sin and take us out of this place. And how long is that salvation? It's forever. I am his possession and I am his prized possession. He loves me. He loves me. I am his. And how long will I be his? Forever. Do you have a prized possession? Uh, I like pens. I know you're thinking, Pastor, you're talking about prize possessions, and then you said pen. That's weird. I know. But I, I had found this pen. I've had it for about 20 years, and I hadn't used it. And it's really cool. It's a fountain pen that's retractable, a vanishing nib fountain pen. I took it, and I cleaned it, and I filled it with ink, and I, I, I took a polishing cloth, and I, I, I shined it all up. And you're saying, and you're still a loser. Maybe more so now. This sitting on my notebook on my desk at home, this morning when I went in there, it was like this. I walked in and said, I like that. And we all have things that that are like that. Matt Hickman's going to eat his prized possession. He just got a dough with his bow. It's pretty cool. You know, he makes these bows Got a heart shot on a deer with a bow that he made. That's manly, right there. That's manly. Y'all have a prized possession. Y'all you know what I'm talking about. Something that you just enjoy. You like it. And God, the Bible says God's given us these things freely to enjoy. Praise God. I'm glad we get to do that. When I take this pen and I compare it to Lydia, the value is so different. Y'all know that we had our first son died, and then we got Lydia. And I don't know, I think for me, that that made Lydia even more precious. She's a prized possession. So much more than Jacob. (laughs) That was so fun. And I think y'all understand this. You have your stuff that you like. But compared to your wife or your husband, your children, you know, it's fun. You get to a place, and I didn't realize this, but you get to a place where Christmas, it's more fun to have the, the kids there than to get the presents. Right? But bring the presents. Um. I don't know about you guys, but I can get to the place where, because I know my own thought life, uh, it's like the, when you read the Apostle Paul, don't you get the sense that the closer he got to eternity, the more real his sin became in his life? You, you get that from reading Paul? And, and we can all get to the place where we think, man, I am such a sinner. You can almost say, I can't serve God. The more you know about the Word of God, you, the more sin you find in your own life. The more light from God's Word that comes in, the more flaws you start to see in your own life. And here's what we forget that when God sees me, he sees his Son. I was purchased. With His own blood. I am dear to the Father. And I will be, listen, forever. Praise God for that. Forever helps me to remember God's Word, faithfulness, creation, those laws of the universe, His sustaining power and protection, those precepts, the salvation, the ownership, the possession. And then, let's let's finish. Back to Psalm 119. Verse 95, the wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. See, those testimonies, they're forever, and they preserve me when I know the enemy is out there and waiting to destroy me. So, Mark Rasmussen, you know my friend from California, West Coast, he texted me last night that Paul Chapel has COVID, and he's the pastor there, and... All of the stuff that's going on, they're they're, they're talking about shutting down Bible colleges, the government, the governor of California, and all of that stuff that's going on. And what they're doing is they're setting traps for God's people. They're making it... We dare you to try to teach God's Word. Now, if you want to gather and burn down a city, that's protest. If you want to gather and teach God's Word that's dangerous and will stop you. They're setting traps. They're setting traps. Here's what we need to know. God knows where those traps are. The job is still the same. You know, the idea of advertising a big day and getting a big crowd in the church building and things, it might be a little while before we can do that, but we can still give people the gospel. We can still live our faith out in the world. As a matter of fact, maybe we should do that a little better right now because we have an opportunity to either complain or to testify, testimonies. See, his testimonies are those things that preserve us. Those, the faithfulness that he's been, the faithfulness he's demonstrated in the word of God, that's going to preserve us. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. God, what have you done in the past? You're going to take care of me now. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. An end of all perfection. There are a couple of things, that, a couple of ways that you could look at that. It could be that he's seen the most perfect things. Can you imagine what a king has? I know some of you have gotten to see the palace at Versailles. I got to go to the palace at Versailles, and I got a a private tour of the royal apartments and everything, and they had just found this um, credenza. And you have to say it that way, credenza. And they had searched for it. They paid $10 million to get this thing back. It really wasn't that cool. Imagine the detail, the craftsmanship, the work that goes into a $10 million piece of furniture. Imagine. David had seen it all. Remember Solomon, his son? What did he call it? Vanity. I've seen an end. I've seen the greatest, the best. I've seen it all. Look at what it says. I have seen an end of all perfection but thy commandment is exceeding broad. See, God's commandment covers everything. When when this pen, when I get tired of it, which will probably be later today, because I'm very fickle, when this loses its perfection to me, God's word is still there. See, we could come back next year and read this same text, and I could preach a completely different sermon from it, That would still be true because God's Word is so broad. Remember, we talked about that. I think it was James Knox who said the Bible is the only book that grows. The truth in it grows as you read it. Praise God for that. Man, how many of you are thankful that God's Word is forever? If you're thankful that this sermon is not forever, stand up. I hope that you're saved today because remember forever is a great word, but it's also a terrifying word. It's a great word when it's talking about salvation. It's a terrifying word when it's talking about judgment. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ alone for your eternal life, you need to be saved. You must be born again. Today is the day of salvation. You're not promised another day. Get saved. And then for you that are in trouble right now, try to step out of that, that, that valley, and set your feet on the rock of God's eternal word and promises. Amen? And then get some of God's people around you to love you and help you. Let's, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll sing an invitation song. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you that it's forever. Lord, thank you for this Christmas season when we remember that you came. Father, help us not to be so overwhelmed with the busyness that we forget you.